0: Man, that song, like all these songs are cool. Thanks for leading us uh, this morning, guys. Um, But I I was standing over here and and I was thinking, boy, that's why we're here, right? Um, We're we're not here to look pretty. Uh, We're not here to check a block this morning. Like we're we're here to praise God, uh, to praise the one who's given us breath in our lungs, to to cry out and to sing to him. Um, We're here to praise the one who's put breath in our lungs uh, when sometimes all we can do is cry right? Uh, and praise can't even hit our lips. Um, but we're here to worship together as people who are close to the Lord, but also people who are trying to figure out if, if this is um, where God is calling them to. Um, and my, uh, uh, as, as your pastor or a pastor that you've chosen to listen to this morning, I would say, yes, the Lord is pushing you or calling you into this place of a relationship with Him so that you might be able to praise Him with everything that you have. But maybe that's not your thing yet, and you're just here. So I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would do a work in every single one of our lives this morning because He's worthy um, to be praised. Let's, let's pray. Father, thanks so much for the time that we have um, here uh, this morning. I, and gosh, Lord, even, even the time that we have while we're here on this earth, um, it's not granted to us another day or another breath, but the breath that we have right now we want to praise You with. Wanna, even right now with our ears, we want to praise You. Um, as we listen to your word. Um, Father, uh, I know that nothing I say this morning will be perfect, but it will be perfect in your hands to use however you want. And so would you, by your spirit, lead each one of us individually to the place that you have destined for us, for this morning, in our time together, to lead us out of this place to the thing that you've called us to. And so use this time, Lord, I am your vessel to be used by you. Speak mightily through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Well, here we are, right? We're Two days away um, from a brand new year, um, or however you count that—maybe two, maybe three. Uh, we're two days away, I think, uh, towards a brand new year. But we're also—it's not just a brand new year. Like we're moving into 2020, 2020, right? But we're moving into a brand new decade. And for some of you, like this last decade, you'd be like, "Man, I am glad that that thing is over." And we're moving into something new. And some of you are like, man, just give me another challenge. Like this last, this last year was great. This last 10 years was great. But I'm looking forward to the thing that we have ahead of us. But we're moving into a brand new year and a brand new uh, decade. And in this decade, we, we want to invite the Lord into it, right? Uh, some of you are probably expecting that we're, we're going to talk about New Year's. We're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and that sort of thing. And, and um, up until yesterday, that's what we were going to do. Um, I I had all these pithy, fun little things about New Year's and um, how many people actually keep their New Year's resolutions, what the percentage was that that we do. But then the Lord just moved me uh, away from that. And uh, see, what what I've been uh, feeling personally in my own life is that the Lord is saying, hey, press into me. And everything that you are and everything that you do, just press into me. And as a leader here at Riverview, I feel like the Lord just has been doing the exact same thing. He's saying, Hey, help our people, call our people just to press into me. Like, it's not about a New Year's resolution. This is, this is about a, 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 uh, an opportunity to press into Jesus, an opportunity to press into who He's called us to be and, and what He wants out of our lives. And so, throughout like, just the last couple of days, I've been, Lord. Like this is what I I, I plan to talk. I, talk I plan to talk about John 15 and being connected to the vine and um, that the only way that we can uh, uh, that we can bear fruit is if we're connected to him I heard a really cool talk by a guy named Kyle Eidelman. he said don't be um, don't be a stick he said be a branch because connected to the vine is you, is where you bear fruit and so I was I was planning on talking about um, being a branch and, and and not being a stick and just kind of going off of that idea and and I was really excited about that but yesterday. I, I, I was um, thinking through all that, and I, and I came in and I sat down here, and it's like, that's just not where the Lord took me. Uh, he took me to Ephesians chapter 3, uh, and that's where I want to spend all of our time this morning. I want to talk um, about us being fully saturated and satisfied in Jesus and in Jesus alone. I mean, because there, there is so much that we can be so easily satisfied by. We can be satisfied by the trinkets that we have in the house. We can be satisfied by the things, that the accolades we get at work. We can be satisfied by so many things. And at the end of the day, Christ can become an add-on to our life and not the thing, not the, the most passionate part of who we are, the thing that makes us who we are, the person who makes us who we are, who gives us all of our identity. And so I just kept thinking about this idea of pressing into him and being satisfied fully in him. And what happens is in Ephesians chapter 3, um, Paul is writing to a, a group of people who are getting a fresh start. Right? In Ephesians chapter um, 2, um, we know that there's a group of, of Jews and there's a group of Gentiles. And these, and these two groups, they don't get along very well. Um, the Jews don't like the Gentiles, the Gentiles don't like the Jews. And the way that Paul describes it, he says there's a dividing wall between these guys, and, and, and that wall needed to come down, and the way that the wall came down was through Jesus, through his own body, um, and he tore down this dividing wall, so there was no longer Jew, and there's no longer Greek, but now it was one. It, it was this one group, this one body from from those who had a religious background, and from those who had no religious background whatsoever, but now they're bound together in Christ, and they have a brand new, and they have a fresh start, and, and so Paul, he's writing to them, and as he's writing to them in Ephesians 3, he just breaks out into this dynamic prayer uh, for them. And so what I want to do is I want to spend our time looking at that prayer this morning. And, and maybe that prayer for us, um, uh, like we take that prayer and, and that prayer becomes our own prayer. We take the prayer that Paul prays for this group of people who are getting a fresh start and we apply that to our, our life. And, and maybe at the end of the day, this becomes a brand new, this becomes a, maybe it's a 2020 vision for you, right? Like, that you personally, you take this prayer, on for yourself, and this becomes your 2020 vision. Maybe for us as a church, this becomes a, a 2020 vision for us. I don't know. Like, but I, I know the Lord is calling us to press into him as a, as a group that gathers here, but also a, as individuals to press into him as well. And so I, I want to spend some time in Ephesians 3, fully satisfied, fully saturated in him. And here's what Paul says, verse 14 of chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just. Pray with me again, please. Father, that's your word. Um, This is your word from Paul to the Ephesians. This is what you had for them, but I think this is what you have for us even today too. So we're gonna look at how this applied to them, but we're gonna look at how it applies to us as well, Lord. So would you take this word, would you drive it into our hearts? Would you drive it into our mind that it would affect our hearts and affect our actions and affect who we are and how we see ourselves and how you see us too? Father, take this word right now. And do something amazing with it, as only your spirit can do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What Paul's saying here, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, now, he's already prayed for them all. all uh, you know, uh, th- earlier in, in this book, uh, but now he starts praying for them again. He says, what, and what I want us to see here is the content of what Paul prays, not just the fact that he's praying for these people, but what he actually prays for this group right now who's getting a fresh start um, as, as new believers in Christ. Remember, this wall now, it's been torn down. There was a division between the two. Christ has torn it down, and Paul says, now... Father, I bow my knees before you to pray for these folks. To you, God, who's established everything, even down to the families of this earth, I bow my knees to you and ask that according to the riches of your glory, the, the fact that everything belongs to you according to your holiness, according to your majesty, according to who you are, according to the riches of your glory, everything I'm praying to you. Now, of course, you understand and you realize um, how important the riches of, of God's glory are, right? Uh, Isaiah talks about the riches of God's glory um, uh, in the book of Isaiah. And, and he describes it as, as uh, the, And when he sees God, he says there's this magnificence. There's this glory that fills the temple, so much so that he was afraid to approach the Lord. He said, I, I, well, like, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. What am I seeing that's in, in front of me? And he's blown away at the majesty and the riches of all of God's glory and all of its presence. And then John, he talks about it later in this, the riches of God's glory as he sees it in Jesus, as Jesus is, he gets his vision of Jesus sitting on the throne in, in, in Revelation. He, he sees the Lamb of God sitting on the throne of God in the throne room of God. And he tries as best as he can to explain exactly what it is that he's seeing. And words can't really grasp what it is that he's saying, but he tries and he pins it down for us. And here's what he says in Revelation chapter four. He says, and <clears throat> he was sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. I don't even know what carnelian is. Anybody know what carnelian is? I'm guessing it's some kind of precious stone. And and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire which are the seven spirits of God, and before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass-like crystal. Can you imagine John? Like, John is getting this glimpse into the throne room from God, and he, he's seeing all of this, and he's trying to pin down every Like, I can't, like, rolls of thunder, like, peels of, like, lightning flashing around, and all this ma- ma- majestic imagery that he's given us, of who, and these are just words to try to describe what exactly it is that he's seeing. This is the riches of God's glory on display in the throne room of God, and what Paul's doing is he's praying to a God who we can try to explain, and we can try to describe in a certain amount of words, but words fail to fully grasp all of his glory and all of his majesty, and, and so what Paul says, he says, I pray that according to the riches of this glory, to the riches of, of his glory, that God may grant you one thing. Not, not, not a bunch of things, not, not, not like a, a bunch of things that we can add on to things, but, but one thing that plays out in the several different areas that Paul's going to address. He says, I, I pray for this one thing. For this reason, I I pray. And if uh, you want to write these down as as Paul uh, goes through them, that's great, because they're going to help these Ephesians flesh out what it looks like to walk with God, to be fully saturated, and to be fully satisfied by Jesus and Jesus alone. And and I think that it doesn't just apply to these Ephesians, but this applies to us too, as as people who are sitting 2,000 years down the road, sitting in this room right here in Ashland, Nebraska, at Riverview Community Church, that this word applies to us today um, too as we're moving into a brand new year. Here's the one thing that he prays for in verse 16. Does God just grant them to be strengthened with power in their inner being through the work of the Spirit? See, when when Paul could pray for anything, The one thing that he prays for is he prays that God would strengthen their inner being. That God would allow them to be resolved in their commitment to him. That they would be fully satisfied and be fully saturated with God. And and eventually this is being satisfied in Christ as well. That in their heart and in their mind, the areas that drive their actions and the areas that drive their attitudes, that God would grant them to grow firm and to, to grow strong. Now you need to know that the, the prayer that Paul is praying here, this thing that he's asking that God would do in them, this isn't something that they can do on their own. The Ephesians can't muster up enough energy. They don't have the relationships. They don't have the connections around them in order to do all of this inner work in and of themselves. Like the inner work has to be done by the Spirit who's, at, who's alive and at work in the inner man, right? The, the, the spiritual things have to be done by the Spirit who's at work inside of us. And so this isn't something that we can do on our own. And there's a Holy Spirit who's indwelling the life of believers. And so he's praying that they would be strengthened inside by the Spirit that's work in them. He said, God, grant them to be strengthened inside. This is the part of us that Paul said is being renewed day by day, even though our outside tent is wasting away. Like our bodies are falling apart. Like some of y'all woke up this morning like, oh, I didn't feel that yesterday. So, some of y'all are like, man, I hope in 2020 I can get a new hip. I, I, I can get a new joint. I can, we're in, we're in Nebraska, okay, so, so don't take that too far. So, some, some of you are, are, are thinking, man, I, I, I hope I, this year I get a new knee. I just want the pain to go away. Like Paul is saying, this is the part of us that's renewed on the inside, even though our outside is wasting away. The inside is being renewed day by day. It's the inner person that he, that he says gets transformed by the renewing of our minds in Romans chapter 12. It's the, the ability of the inner spirit, the, the work inside of us to take captive our thoughts and to turn all of our thoughts back to Christ and, and to say, you know what? I can't do this work inside of me, but you can. It's a transformation from the inside out. And it's not something that we can do on our own. This is a heart work that we simply make ourselves available for the Spirit to do inside of us, for God to do inside of us. I I think too often we try to live by our own power and we try to live by our own strength. But if 2020 is going to be a better year than 2019 was, if 2020 is going to kick off a better decade than the the 10s were for us, is that what you call them, the 10s? To 2010 and up, up to now, if, if this decade is going to be better, it's not going to be because we muster up enough strength. It's not going to be because we get all the right answers, we check all the right blocks, we get all the right connections. It's going to be better because we find ourselves as believers in Christ living a normal Christian life, is to, which is to be fully saturated and to be satisfied with Christ. It, it's not to, to do our own thing. I, I mean, like, listen, I'm a guy, right? I've, I've been practicing being a guy my entire life, right? 38 years I've been practicing. I've been building up to who I am right now. And as a guy, I try to do things on my own. I know, I know that's not every guy. But that's a stereotype, right? I'm building off of that. But for me, I, I try to do everything by myself, I, I, there's a certain simp, sense of, of accomplishment if, if I can sit with something and, and figure out like how does this work and if I can get it to work, that's great. Um, usually I break it in the process. If it's something electrical, I just call Ted. Ted comes and, and figures out what to do um, with it. But if it's something that like, I can, like, like, I don't really risk breaking it too bad and I can figure out how to put like, I do it. And there's a certain sense of accomplishment and pride if I can figure out how to do it. And some of us, we've taken that mentality into our life, and there's a certain sense of pride if if I can figure out how to do this life all by myself, if I can figure out how to ha- have a better 2020 all by myself, well, then I'm, I'm good to go. There's, there's a certain pride in that. But the things that need to change on the inside of us won't be changed by us. The things that need to be transformed on the inside of us in the inner man won't be transformed by how well we can perform. The things that need to change on the inside of us can only be done by the Holy Spirit of God who works inside of us to work all those things out for His good and for His glory. And and, and so we can't do all of that by ourselves. And, And so the older that I get, and I think the more that I lean into the Spirit, um, which is sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, but I, I, I'm finding out that this is the way that God has designed it. And I think this is what Paul's praying for here. He says, God, grant them to be strengthened in the parts that we can't change, the parts that can only be transformed by God through his spirit. So like just to be short with it, like if you want a better 2020, you gotta let God to start doing some heart work inside of you to work in the places that, that you can't change. If you want 2020 to be better, you, you, you start letting Jesus do the work inside of you. Uh, my mentor would always say, it's not you who does the work, it's Jesus who's doing the doing. So let Jesus do the doing inside of you. But you've got to give him space and be available for him to do that work inside of you and to stop trying to figure it out all by yourself, right? Be fully saturated and satisfied in Christ uh, uh, alone. Let him do some work. And here's what happens. Um, Paul prays, God, let them be strengthened by the Spirit Help them to let the Spirit do some heart work inside of them so that, in in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see, when we start allowing God to do some heart work on the inside of us, when we stop being satisfied by things, Stop being satisfied by moving up the corporate ladder, or or making the right trade, or making get, making this investment do this or that, and we stop being satisfied with if my kids are doing well in school or not. These are all good things, okay, but to be fully satisfied in those in those things alone isn't good enough. But when so when we stop being satisfied by lesser things than Jesus, there becomes a vacancy in our heart. And when that vacancy becomes open, then there's a space for the Lord himself to dwell. Not, not like if you're a believer in Christ, like he is indwelling in you, but this becomes a place where he actually gets to dwell and to set up home and to set up shop in your life. A place of vacancy is open for him to be at home. And so what I want to do is I want to look at this word dwell here with you in verse 17 for just a minute because I don't, want to, I don't, I don't really want to run past it real quick. The word dwell is uh, katokato. It actually means to take up residence, to reside, to live, uh, to inhabit, to settle down into. Um, the word itself, it's got this permanence to it. It stands in contrast to something that's temporary, to, that, that, that's here today and that's uh, gone tomorrow. Um, this word, it's got a sense of permanence and, and, and I would say at-homeness in it. And it's an at-homeness with God, I think, that Paul is, is getting at here. The prayer that he's praying is that Christ would come and be at home inside of him and that they would be at home with him as well, right? There's this at-homeness. Some of you know what it's like uh, to travel and, and to be on the road. And, and you're away from your family for a couple days or some of you are a long haul and you're away for, for, for multiple days or weeks at a time and, or you're, you're going and you're making sales and you're doing the deal and that sort of thing. And so you know what it's like. To be away from your family and, and and how uncomfortable that can be if you like your family right um and, and then to, to to come home boy there's just something that's more comfortable about that like you just get to settle back into your space um ashley and i we've uh we've been married for 13 years and for 13 years we've never lived close to to our parents right my folks live in ohio and her her folks live in virginia and so for 13 years whenever there's a holiday coming around or whenever we want to see parents somebody's got to travel and we've split it up a little bit. They've traveled some and we've traveled some. But there, there's a sense that we, we've been on the road quite a bit to, to, see, our, to see our folks. And uh, it's great, right? It's great when we're around them. We enjoy being around them most of the time. And, and then, but there's always this sense of, man, I can't wait to get back on the road. I can't wait to get back into my car and to get traveling down the road and, and get back to my house. Because in my house, things are comfortable. I can walk around however I want in my house, Right? It doesn't matter who's down the stairs or around the stairs. Around, I can walk around however I want. I've got free refrigerator rights in my house. Like, I don't have to worry if somebody's going to judge me because I went to the refrigerator twice in the last 10 minutes, right? It's comfortable there. I I know the creaks of the floors. I I know um, the sounds of the doors. I know what my house does. And so when we come home, it's just always so nice to settle back into my space or to our space. And that's what Paul's getting at here. He wants the Ephesians to feel this sense of, of at-homeness with Jesus. It's nothing awkward. See, when they sit down and they talk with him and they, and they sit down and walk with him, it's, it's just comfortable. It's not weird because they didn't spend time with him yesterday. It's not weird because they didn't spend time with him last week, or maybe it's been months since they spent time together. It's not weird because they, they messed up yesterday or they messed up the day before and they fought, they've fallen off the wagon. It's just not weird. There's this sense of at-homeness that when I'm sitting with you, comfortable. I'm sitting with you. I'm pressing into you, and you're validating me that I'm not getting my validation from anywhere else. There's this sense of at-homeness here. Comfort because they know him, and comfort because he knows them. It's just better that way. And, And Paul prays for them that Christ might dwell, that he might settle down into, that he might be at home in their hearts. Now, this might look different for you, but this is what uh, at-homeness looks like for me and what dwelling looks like for me. Um, uh, I, I have to get up before my kids wake up in the morning. And, 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 that, and that's early. And I feel like it gets earlier every day. And this is what... Um, so what I'm telling you, this is on a perfect day. This is on a perfect week. And, and there are very rarely perfect days or perfect weeks in my house. And so I'm giving you the best case scenario when this looks right in my life, okay? And so I... I I get up before my kids, and that's again, that, that's, that's hard to do um, because they get up early, and so I have to decide the night before. Like This is when I'm going to set my clock, and I'm going to get up before them, and, and, and I have to determine that I'm going to wake up before they wake up, no matter how tired I am or how worn out I am, that I have to make the decision at night because I'll wait in the morning before the alarm clock or when the alarm clock goes, oh, I'm always going to be too tired, when the alarm clock goes off, so I have to make the decision at night. And so I, the alarm clock goes off, and I wake up, I, I grab my Bible, I grab a pen, I grab some paper, I grab my highlighters because of how I, how I do it, and then I, I go to the closet. And, and then I, I sit down and, and I pray. And in, in, in that moment of prayer, I, I have to quiet my heart, okay? I have to just breathe a little bit, slow down, and then in, in my time of prayer, I just say, Lord, like, let me see what you have for me this morning. Let, let, let me understand what you have for me this, this morning. And, and uh, whatever you show me, let me apply it to my life. If it's something I need to change, help me to change it. If it's something I need to add, help me to add it. And, 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 and if it's something I need to stop, help me to stop it. But let me see what you have for me through your word this morning. And then so, and I pray and, and that's it, right? And then i then I open up the word and I, and I start to read and, and I listen for his voice in the scriptures, right? I don't hear an audible voice from him. Um, like I'm, some people have said they've heard voices. I don't hear an audible voice from the Lord. But I listen to his voice through his word. And, and, and I wait to see, is there something you're going to show me? And there are days where he just rocks my word. I'm like, oh, I've never seen that before. Oh, ouch, that hurts. I need to change that. But there are days that I walk away. I'm like, I don't know why we just sat down right now. Because I didn't learn anything. I didn't feel you. I don't know if you got all of me, but I just do but there's this sense of like I'm pressing into him in those moments. And so whatever he has is is what I'm there to listen to. I'm just coming to the table with no expectations whatsoever, but just to be with the Lord. And if he reveals something, that's great. And if he doesn't, then okay, then we'll we'll press in uh, a a little bit uh, later as well. And, and, And so this is like, I'm trying to live in joyful submission to his plan for my life. His plan within his kingdom right, when I sit down with him. Not my plan for my kingdom, but his plan and how he wants to change the things in me. And so one of the things that we've said is our values around here is that we want um, Jesus, or we want God's word. We want to have his truth over our opinion. So I'm not overlaying my opinion on his word. I'm allowing his word to transform my opinions, and so I'm allowing his word to change me and mold me in those moments. And again, sometimes it's like I, I hear from him and sometimes uh, I feel like I, I miss. And, but it's nothing mystical. It's nothing magical. It, it, it's nothing um, that, that, like, so, so, like, that you can't do. This is just us sitting and dwelling with him and, and pressing into him. And then throughout the day, I just say, Lord, I'm available. Um, and there, there are times when I say I'm available and then he presses me into something and it really turns out that I wasn't that available. And then there are times where I've said I'm available and he, and he shows me somebody, he shows me something. And he says, okay, now, now get after it. And that just seems to be how it works. And, he, and here's what happens when we allow Christ to come in and to, to settle down, verse 17 again. They become rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. And, and, and that's what we're after, Right? We're after being rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. It's just better than the past that they had before. It's better than, than, uh, like it's better than what our past, like to be rooted and to be grounded in Christ. And, and a better 2020 of growth looks like us being rooted and grounded in uh, Christ. Um, there are, you know, every plant, every tree, like it, it grows roots. And if the roots go down deep enough, the, the plant or the tree is secure when storms blazing through. When the roots go deep enough, when there's a drought and there's no water that's sufficient for the tree to, to be growing, those roots are deep enough and they actually they continue to go deeper to find where the moisture is at in the ground and they become more stable and they're able to exist in the times of, of droughts. Um, when there are conditions and situations that aren't perfect for that tree or that, for that plant to grow in. When those roots are going out deep and they're growing out wide, that plant or that tree, it's able to be sustained. And so what Paul is doing, he's saying, be rooted in the thing that's going to help you grow. Don't be satisfied in anything less than in Christ. Don't be satisfied in anything less than him because as our roots grow into him, we have the ability to sustain the stuff that comes at us in 2019 in 2020 in 2027 and 2030 and 2040 as we walk faithfully and dwell with him. And so he prays that they would be strengthened in their inner being, that Christ may dwell in them and that they might be rooted. And then he goes on that because they're rooted, because their roots go deep, and remember, he's on his knees, and he's praying, This is for this reason I bow my knee to the God of all glory, to the, to, to the God of all riches. He's bowing his knee before the God of all riches, and he prays that God would give them the strength to comprehend and know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge. He says, let this blow their minds. Let this love blow their minds. And all kinds of people who have tried to explain this phrase, and they have all kinds of different opinions that are, that are out there But what Paul is praying is that they would know how wide, how long, how high, how deep is the love of Christ. And and we can try to paint all kinds of pictures of this, but the idea is that this is limitless. That's immeasurable. You can't take a ruler and measure the love of Christ. You can't take a measuring tape and measure the love. There's not a measuring tape in this world that can measure something like this. You can't have arms that are big enough to wrap your mind your, or your arms around it. You can't have a brain that's big enough to wrap your brain around it, he's gonna say in just a second, that this kind of love is limitless. I don't know about you and how your love, uh, how your love works, but for me, sometimes I feel like my love has limits. <laughs> Um, I actually I was confronted with it this week my kids came running back uh, to the uh, running back to the house they were playing and and uh, there was somebody who said daddy daddy the, the, the kids they, they call me weird and their little hearts were broken I'm like you are a little bit weird but uh, like why is this hurting so I didn't say that to them really <laughs> I thought it um, but they were heartbroken because some kids down the street ha- had said well you, you guys you guys are weird and, and on some levels, we are right, and, and, and we're okay with, with being weird. But like, but this hurt. And so, what happened to me in my little daddy heart? My love stopped having limits for any kid in that moment, other than my own. I was like, I'm, I'm mad. Like, show me where the kids are, and, and go get me a belt. And like, go do something because I'm, I'm going to bring the wrath of God on these kids. Like, my love had limits in in, in those moments. I don't know if your love does, but what Paul is saying here is that this love of Christ has no limits, and he wants them to be overwhelmed by it. It's a love that surpasses all kinds of knowledge. And this isn't to downplay knowledge, right? Because, because Paul talks about the beauty and the majesty and, and, and the significance of knowledge throughout this book. What he's trying to implement here is an understanding that love of Christ just can't be measured, and our minds can't even get around this. So one, of, one of the most frustrating things for me to see uh, in my own life and in the lives of others, I think, sometimes is for us to try to put God in a box. And to say, this nice little neat tidy box over here, this is how you have to operate. This is how you have to love. This is how you have to be compassionate. This is how much grace you're allowed to give. And, and, and we, we try to figure out, like, man, I, I've got God in this box, and I've got all the answers to how he works. I've got all the answers to his word. And, and so when somebody were to question you, you would say, yes, I've, I've got it all figured out. But at the same time, our hearts are so far from the Lord. We've got the right answers. It looks good on the outside, but our hearts are are so far away from Him. We know the facts about Him, but He's not dwelling in us. He's indwelling us because that's who He is. If we're in Christ, He's indwelling us, and He's living inside of us but we're not allowing him the space to to settle down into and to be at home in us so that we can be at home in him and so that we can have this depth of a walking and breathing relationship with him. We don't allow ourselves to be saturated and satisfied by Christ and Christ uh, alone. And what Paul does is he prays, I want you to know the love of Christ that doesn't always make sense That Jesus would would jump in on our behalf. That he would take nobodies and make them somebodies. That he would would take people that that didn't love enough or people that were were broken and and, and put them back together and to rework their lives for for his good. To to take a, a person who was counted out, who was even tapped out themselves, and bring them back into the story. To know the love of Christ, Paul is showing us, is to be overwhelmed by his love. To know the love is to be overwhelmed by his love, and to be overwhelmed by his love is to be overwhelmed by his grace. And then the final thing he prays here is that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And, and this is why um, I think this is important. And here's what I think the fullness of God means here, right? And this is just a, a quick illustration. Um, it's the difference of, of playing basketball with a ball that's, that's filled up with air enough to, to bounce and to actually play the game like to dribble down the court and to shoot hoops with it, or, or playing the game with, with a basketball that, that's filled up with air enough where it looks like it's round, where it looks like it can sustain. Um, this year, I was coaching my, uh, my son's uh, YMCA basketball team, and uh, if you're a coach, they, they give you all the equipment that you need, right? They give you a couple balls, they give you the cones and whatnot, and so in the bag that they gave me, they gave me two balls inside that bag One of the balls was perfect, right? They both looked exactly the same, but one of them, you you took the ball out uh, of the bag and you dribbled it and you shoot. Like, it was fantastic. Took the other ball out of the bag. It looked just like the first ball, but you dribbled it and it just went, just just flat. There was enough air in the ball to make it look round, to make it look like it was usable, but it wasn't filled full of air. You, You couldn't play the game with this ball at all. It didn't have enough air in it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to play a game with a flat basketball, right? You can't play a game with a flat basketball. You can throw the ball around, but you can't play the actual game of basketball with a flat basketball. And I don't want to live a flat Christian life. I want to live in the fullness of God. I want to be fully inflated. I want to be used in his kingdom. I want want to be saturated and satisfied in Christ and in Christ alone alone. There are, there are days when I do it, and I do it well. I mean, There are days where I play the game with a, a, a flat basketball. But Christ says, like, we are complete in him, lacking nothing. So live out of that, that fullness. I heard Francis Chan say it like this. like Living in the fullness of God, this is what we become known for, right? And he said, what do what I want to be known for? He said, I want to be known for knowing God. I want to be known for knowing God, the fullness of God, and letting that live in my life. We, we can be known for all kinds of things, right? We can be known as good farmers, good dads, good moms, good day traders, good teachers, good mechanics. We can be known for all kinds of things. But wouldn't it be great to be known as a person who knows God? Like, is at home with God, is fully satisfied because that, that's what becomes known for you. When somebody sees you, like, man, that guy's been with the Lord. That gal, she's been with the Lord. She knows God. She's at home with him. He's at home with him. Wouldn't it be great to be known as a person who knows God? And so the question is, are, are you playing the game with a flat ball? Are your roots going deep? Are you fully satisfied and saturated in Christ or our, our roots spread across the room on a Sunday morning. And it looks like we're growing and it looks like we're satisfied. But at the end of the day, our roots stop here. And when we go outside the door, our satisfaction stopped here. And we're satisfied by everything else things that have no eternal weight, things that have no eternal value. And, and we live in that place of a flat ball when he's called us to know the fullness of God, to know the love of Christ, to be strengthened in the inner being. How deep are your roots going? Are they just stretching out a mile wide or are we growing in our depth of relationship? My, my, my personal 2020 vision for myself is, is, man, I just want to grow. I, I, I want to press into him. I want to be satisfied in him. I want to be saturated in him. I want to be known for knowing God. God. And, and, my, and my prayer for, for us as a church is for, for uh, our 2020 vision. You know, may, maybe it's, that it's the same for us that as a church that we are pressing in to Him. That we're not known for cool lights and a cool stage and a cool building. That we're known because we know God. That when you walk out of here, people know that you know God. That when you walk out of here, that you're known in the community as somebody who knows God. Not that it just goes to Riverview Community Church that when you walk out into the community, you know God. Fully saturated, fully satisfied in Him. And so all the trinkets and the toys of this world won't satisfy your heart because you're being satisfied by the one who calls you to be satisfied in Him. And that doesn't just happen, right? You don't back into that. Like you set a plan for it. You grow into that place. It doesn't happen by accident. I know you can find a reading plans all throughout the year. You gotta get in God's Word right? There's reading plans that you can grab. Um, uh, any reading plan um, will, will be sufficient, right? You don't have to find the perfect reading, but to get you into God's Word. We'll, we'll push one out in a notification to you guys sometime this week, and, and here, there will be one. But, you, but getting into God's Word, it's not mystical. It's just sitting down with Him and dwelling with Him. It's getting involved in the lives of other people. It's saturating yourself with God and saturating yourself with people so that when you're with the world, like, you get squeezed, and it runs off into the lives of people that are around you. It's not going to happen by accident. So let's make a plan. Let's make a 2020 vision that we're going to be satisfied and saturated in Christ alone. Would you pray, pray with me? Father, thanks so much for, for time together with my friends. Father, thanks that we get to spend time together in this room for uh, just a little while to uh, dive into your word and to hear from you. Um, perfect exposition. Maybe it's not that your spirit applies your word to us. So Father, this this year, this decade, our lives as as followers of Christ, Lord, don't let us settle. I mean, that's just my heart, Lord. In, In all this, my heart is that we just press into you. In our troubled marriage, let us press into you. In our troubled work environment, let us press into you. And the situations that we walk into, Lord, let us press into you. And the addictions that we can't kick, let us press into you. And our joy when we're grumpy and dissatisfied in the things around us, let us press into you. Father, become so real to us today, so real to us this year, so real to us that our joy truly is in you and nothing else. Let us be satisfied in you alone. And maybe this year, this 2020, we're able to look back on in 10 years from now, Lord, and be like, boy, that was, the, that was the moment where you just really grabbed my heart and changed me. Where you took me from, yeah, to where we're growing and we know you and you know us and, and the gates of hell are scared because we're living with you. Man, man. Fill us. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Love you guys.